Sorry about last week, not recording. That's 100% on me. Um, we are deep in the kitchen. Yeah. And last week I was just I was spent and had a ton left to do. And, you know, so you put that one on me. I know. I know that feeling where it seems like there's just not one more second in the day. It's that's a tough one. When uh, uh, I, I get this feeling, like when you said, "Hey, can we take the week off?" It's 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 all, it just relieves so much pressure. Like, oh, now I got two more hours to do what I want to <laughs> do, and it feels so good. And uh, so you don't have to feel bad towards me. And then sometimes Dan will cancel, or he's not feeling well, or um, he, he can't make it. And I'm always like, yes, I get a free day to do whatever I want with no obligations. And I don't know, it's 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 a uh, it's it's always just a big pressure release. And I still, but I love doing this. Like I would rather do this than not do this. But no, every find once time a when you when you find like stray time, that's what I call it. When you yeah. end up with like a bunch of stray time, you're like, oh man. I could do whatever yeah. I want. Yeah. I'm invincible. You feel like I get two hours to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anytime you get, you know, you have something scheduled and then it goes away, you're just like, oh, free time. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's always Very nice. nice. Well, what have you guys been up to? What's going on? So, uh, we, Dan was here yesterday. We I needed a mallet, just a super simple mallet i made a mallet maybe six years ago out of coconut palm um which is a ridiculous wood to make a mallet out of and uh, it's kind of spongy no isn't it no it's super hard and super dense and oh super it is heavy but the end grain is very splintery and i had um i glued on leather on the ends but over the years leather had either fallen off or worn away and so every time I use the mallet, the wood kind of, it's not even wood, which people have let me know dozens of times. Uh, it's a grass or a sand or something, but uh, it kind of splinters on the end. Sand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's basically sand. That's, that's, that's some of the it's comments sand, that I got. Sand trick. Um, and every time I use it, I'm like, dang it, I need a new mallet. And sometimes you just hit the point where you're like, okay, you know what? This is not going to be a super interesting or fun video, but we need to make a mallet, so we're going to do it right now. So that's what we did, just out of Walnut. And um, I know I've been talking about this for weeks, but it's just been kind of like a slow process. But we carved a big design into my workbench, and part of it was inlaid with Walnut, and part of it was colored epoxy, and it turned in... It's kind of like when I made the the pencil holder and it's covered in crayon, it's kind of like that where I wanted it to be colorful and rainbowy. And a lot of the colors kind of mixed with each other. And I learned some things I could have done it better, but I think it's still coming, coming out cool. Um, so, and it made a mess and you have a very, there's when you, when you work with epoxy, you've got about a 10 minute working time before it just starts to get thick. Mm. And since I, there was this pocket. So basically I cut a, a pocket for a circle inlay, but below that circle inlay was supposed to look like paint drips and like a rainbow effect of paint drips. And I thought, well, it'll be easy for me to mix up the colors and then just use a little syringe and squirt that in there. And as the epoxy gets thicker, it doesn't want to go through the doesn't syringe squirt. as much. <laughs> and so, uh, and it was it was a little stressful, but it was also pretty fun. So the workbench is it's looking cool. That um I think that's uh yeah, that's that's what I'm at. That's what I'm doing. Mallets and workbench stuff. I've been busy with the barbecue. I made a Lincoln requested that I make a smoker. A couple of years ago I did a barbecue that did uh it kind of went viral and so they're trying to capture that lightning in a bottle again. They asked me to make a smoker. So I said, sure. So I made the smoker. And what a science there is to that. I had no idea. I never even knew how they worked. I would see the big drum and then the little drum on the side. I thought that everything was filled with coals. I didn't understand what was going on. I thought you would smoke meat in there and then cook it somewhere else. But basically, an, an offset smoker is a, a firebox. And the heat from the fire goes past the food and then exits through the chimney on the opposite side of the of the main tank. And I had a couple of really good friends give me some solid advice in the build. 
all, all through it. I, you know, every time I showed Instagram, I was really just kind of reaching out to my few friends that were watching so they could tell me what I was doing right or wrong. And we got yesterday, we finally cooked on it. It went really good. Mike, the fireman cooked a couple of big pieces of meat. I'm not like a huge, huge meat eater. I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, but when it comes to meat, I'm, I'm happy with a hamburger. And it's about as exciting as it gets for me. But uh, occasionally, <laughs> occasionally I treat myself and we go at a couple of steakhouses in New York, but I haven't been down there in so long, but the, it came out really good. And then I've been really jamming on my Rockler video, which is God, it's never ending, but I'm getting close. It's, um, I try to challenge myself. I didn't want my Rockler videos to seem so simple all the time. So uh, a fan, uh, Adam, reached out to me and, and asked me if I could actually make him a piece of furniture. So I was like, well, you know what? I need to make something. So I'm making him this this card for his printing pre- uh, for his printer, his digital printer. And uh, it's just I haven't done that work in so long. It's I, I haven't done that work in four or five years where I was making drawers and drawer hmm. slides and stuff. So I'm a little rusty at all that, but the video is coming together. Uh, hopefully I could wrap that up this week and getting busy. We, we're getting this TV project is going to be shooting here in, in April. And so we're building out the inside of the barn and it's unbelievable. It's finally coming together. You know, it's a, I, I have this bad habit of getting to a goal and being like, okay, I got here the next part of this goal. I'll get there when I get there. And, and that's all being fast tracked right now. We have to pick the interior of the barn, have to solve all the little electrical connections where outlets come through the wall and how they're going to come through the wall and where I want various uh, amounts of this or that. So that's all between Patrick and the guys working in the shop, uh, Brian and Mike and Jeff. These guys are really doing a great job. Just a lot of work. And in the meantime, I'm dealing with the production company. What kind of machines are you going to have? You're going to have this, you're going to have that. Can we get one of these? And, And I'm thinking, oh, that's... That's, we got so much time. You know, we don't have so much time. We have like four weeks, it seems like, which no. is, un, that's like nothing in the scheme of things. So I'm getting getting slightly stressed out, but, you know, there's a big team of people here that want to help and they're going to help. So I just got to share the responsibility and delegate. But it's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. And take it as it comes, see what happens. But at the end of the day, last this time last year, I was complaining about the the contract, but uh, obviously got everything I needed. You know, I had to stand up for myself and got what I wanted out of all that. That was all that complaining in the after show last year. So, <laughs> no, all that complaining has led to this moment. So here we are. Paid off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Running around like a crazy person. That's, That's it. Cool. I'm excited. It, Things are getting done. Weird with um, like with the barn, like you're talking about. You on a big project like that where you have you have you know a structural element, then you have the internal like utility type stuff, then you have all of the finish work, and then the finish work on top of the finish work, and then the finish work on top of the finish, finish, finish work. You know, anything big like that, you can think so far ahead, but then like you can't really plan it out. So you you get like you're saying, you get to that next stage and they're like, oh yeah, okay, what's the next set of 100 decisions I have to make? Mm. And then while you're making those, you're beginning to think about, well, what's the 100 decisions I have to make after this one about you know, how these all pieces work together and you know, what do the covers look like that go on top of the outlets to match the this or the that or whatever? I'm, we're beginning to get to that stage in the kitchen as well. Yeah. Where the it's heart- like, you know, it- we've done the, you tearing things out and framing things up is easy. But then you have to decide what it's going to look like. And then you have to decide all this other stuff. And that that's... last 5% is always the hardest. And, yeah. and I'm way further away than 5%. But that last, the last parts of the job are usually the hardest. Because those are the ones where you're like, ah, well, me anyway. I'm not that type of detail-oriented person. I'm not that person to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get that when we get to it. Then all of a sudden, it's like there's going to be TV cameras in there. I'm like, oh, wait, I want it to be right. Yeah. And, yeah, you know. It's a lot of decision making, but like I said, I got I got a really good team of guys helping me out with everything, and Taylor, of course, and so it's uh, it's going to come together. You know, I have faith. And then at the end of the day, we could just don't have to sleep. You know, I've slept <laughs> enough till now, so I could stay up. I sent you guys pictures of what the inside looks like right now. Yeah, yeah, it looks awesome. It looks yeah. bigger. It I does. mean, I guess it, I, I I've does. never been there. So I've only seen photos, but it looks bigger than it's looked in the past to me. <laughs> it does because the wall was all puffy, and and I'm not showing too much now on social media 
only because I just don't want to hear the critics. I got 10 people telling me 10 different things is the right way and every one of them is the right yeah. way. So I, I really, I might not show anything until it's done. I'm thinking maybe. I mean, the guys there are also Instagram. And so if anybody's following them, they'll see it. But <clears throat> I've gotten so many critics about uh, this and that and the other thing. So it's, uh, I'm just kind of waiting for the big reveal. I think I might do. But the uh, the guys should start putting the wood up today and it's definitely going to be bigger. It's going to feel bigger, I should say. And uh, that's that's what Willie was looking for. Uh, Willie Willie came in while we were talking. He's he's going to start moving stuff into the containers to clear that room out. We got to clear that room completely out. Oh, really? There's a lot yeah, of stuff in there. Gotta, we got to clear wow. it out to zero and then build it all back. I oh, know, wow. I know it's not going to be That's easy. so much work. <laughs> it's not going to be. Easy. Oh yeah. god. That it's going to look even bigger, I guess. The, all those boards are going to be vertical, right? So you're going to have yep, north vertical, south. Yeah, man, that's going to look super tall. I mean, it is tall, but <laughs> and then uh, make it look like a, that one a section, table. that one section upstairs that's not done is where the, the stringers for the floor will go. And so we don't oh, want to. Yeah. Uh, so until the flooring goes in the, on the second floor, so we might just put burlap over that. So we can't put walls on top of where the, the top of the floor joist would go. So we're going to leave that that little section open. That's um. 50 feet. So when you walk in the barn <clears throat> from the other point of view, from the camera, the first uh, 20 feet is going to be cathedral all the way open. And there'll be the beginning of the loft. And that's what you're seeing is the floor for the loft. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. That's, you know, that's another, that's a different $30,000. <laughs> <laughs> Phase 10. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped counting. People always ask me how much you got into this. I said at least this much, but I stopped counting. I, I actually, I, I, it's funny. I think I said this on the on this podcast where I kind of suppressed the memory of how much I spend. I did it on Fitzall. I was talking about spending a lot of money on stuff. I suppressed the memory like a you know, like a bad child memory. I just suppress it. So in like a month from now, when you ask me how much this cost, I won't. I won't remember. I really won't. I'll have to go back through my papers and look because I suppress the memory about how much I spend. It's like how I deal with. You know, spending mm-hmm. large amounts of money. I get like that. If I buy like a, a new this or a new that, and in a few months people say, how much did you pay? I go, I don't know. I know it was at least this much, but I can't remember the exact amount. I suppressed that memory. <laughs> That's yeah. how I deal with it. <laughs> so I'm doing that with the entire cost of the barn. I know it was at least this much, but details, I don't know. It could be, you know, I add, mean, a, add another hundred to that end, maybe. Like- I don't know. In the end, does it matter? Unless you're no. going to be like selling it and you need to value no. it or something. That's, I mean, that's, who cares? Like, that's exactly why. It's a really good point that you bring that up. It's exactly why I try not to remember stuff or I don't need to remember because I'm not a I'm not like a dealer that I'm buying and flipping or whatever. I'm buying it. That's it. You know, that's it. It's 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 kind of this is it's resting point for the time being. And uh, yeah, if we have to evaluate it later on, we'll deal with it then. But. That's kind of an interesting thing. I was thinking about that recently with our, the farm, I call it, it's just a piece of land, but it, you know, up until I bought that last year, two years ago, I had only ever owned a single piece of property at a time. This is not a big deal. I'm not trying to like, it was an observation of the moment in my life where I was like, whoa, I own two separate pieces of property. That's, that's a new thing as an adult. That's a, a weird, interesting thing. But also, like, looking ahead, like, is there more property I want to buy? Like, do I want to, do I want to become like a guy that owns things and rents them out? I mean, that's like a whole separate business model. It could be. I'm like, yes. do I want to be that person who just accumulates uh, land for the sake of its reuse and its rental and its, you know, you lease it out to this farmer? And I'm like, it was just interesting in a moment to be like, this could be a whole thing about my future that I never even considered not always passing through land I guess is the point is like when you when you own a home you own the land and then usually most people in my entire life if you need a different home then you sell the home that you're in and you go to a different home you don't just like buy another one (laughs) because that's kind of crazy but it dawned on me because I didn't pay a lot for the farm I'm like well you know what if I found more properties like that that the land itself with nothing on it doesn't cost that much. I know anybody listening who's ever dealt with real estate's like, Bob, you're an idiot. Of course, this is what people do. I get yeah, it, but yes, yes, I'd yes, never yes. thought about that for myself. And it was kind of an interesting point in my life to be like, oh, weird. Like I could get land that doesn't have anything on it 
and put something on it well, and then just own it. Well, <laughs> like, that's whoa. it's it's actually really interesting because I'm at that point now where I, I have this house property, which is actually two plots. So the house is on one and the property that the building is on that we're talking about is on a second piece of property. So they're side by side. And so then I own in town, I own a piece on the commercial strip. But the other day I spent the, the weekend, I spent a couple hours with my mom and dad over the weekend and my mom going through her mail. She said, could you ha- help me handle this? When my mom got married in 1961, my parents got married, my grandfather, her father, gave my mother two plots of land as a wedding gift and said, you know, this is just, we'll pay dividends down the road. So we own, we own a, a we, my mom owns a plot of land in uh, Port St. Lucie and then Cocono, Cocoa Beach, which is about 10, 15 miles north of that. Two, two plots of land. And for the last 20 years, every time she opens the mail, it's an offer to buy the property. It's an offer to buy the property. And uh, so Taylor is going to do some research and see how much we can get for both those pieces of property. If you drive down a rate, we looked on Google Zoom for the first time in 10 years. If you drive down just a regular residential street, there's an empty lot full of trees. That's, you know, it's like, so both neighbors on either Mm. side have a bigger yard. My mother's never seen it with her own eyes. She's owned it all this time. My grandfather Mm. bought... 10 plots of land and gave them out as gifts, wedding gifts to all his kids and, and nieces and nephews. And uh, at the time, they were like, you know, probably $800 for a plot of land in 1959, whenever he paid for them. Yeah. And there was no town there. There was no community. They just, they divvied up, like what Miami was doing in the in the 40s and 50s is they were just selling plots of land like crazy because everybody was rushing there. It was kind of like the gold rush for property. And so I say yes, especially, Bob, since you've got a big family, you know, you want to provide for them down the road. These little seeds that you're planting, you know, at this time, it might not seem like a huge amount of money, but that could, you know, it could open up right next to some giant chain store or something and, and, you know, down the road, you have an opportunity to make money on it. Seriously, I mean, that's that's how people make money with land. Yeah. I I mean, it's interesting. And we live in a small town, but there are a few people that you know their name. Like, I've never met these people, but I know their last name because... They own that thing and that thing and that thing. Yeah. You know, and and they're real estate developers. That's just what they do. And you know their name because of all the things that they enable other people to do by being able to invest in the land. Not that that's ever been a dream of mine or anything, but it. I think it was more of a, an adult moment where I was just like, whoa, like I'm an adult. <laughs> I could, if I wanted to go that route and do that thing as part of my going forward, I could do that thing. And this came up because... Uh, my brother came over the other day and he was on a bike ride and he came over because he had been to the bike store, which is the same old Schwinn bike store that's been there my entire life and was there before me. And it's in this one little part of town that there's not a whole lot. It's kind of a, uh, it's just kind of on the edge of town. You know, there's not a whole lot there. And this same little building has been the bike shop forever. And he was in there the other day and the guy was just like, yeah, I'm thinking about selling. I'm thinking about retiring and everything. Hey, if, and my brother has bought a piece of property downtown and fixed it up and stuff. And so the guy was just like, yeah, you know, since you're into real estate, if you're interested in buying this building and having a bike shop. And so my brother was laughing about that and then telling me about it because he knew that I was talking about property and stuff. I don't know. It was just kind of a funny little, you know, step forward. And in, in, I still think of myself as a kid. When I think of who I am in relation to adults and, and, you know, to other people, I still feel like a teenager, kind of. And so then when I look around and realize that I'm absolutely not a teenager (laughs) and, you know, I am a little bit further along than I think about sometimes. What do you have, 10 kids now? How many kids you got? 10? (laughs) (laughs) There's a... um, old baseball player, I, th- I think it's Satchel Page, and he didn't know his actual age. And one of his quotes is, if you didn't know how old you are, how old would you be? And which is a, huh. it, it's a great question. Like, I feel like 23. Yeah. At times I feel like I'm 23 with my shoulder issues. I feel 60, but most <laughs> of the time I feel like I'm 23. Yeah. It's funny that we're having this conversation because last night, my wife and I were both like, man, you hit 40 and then you just got to start sleeping more. Like, I need to sleep more. <laughs> I sleep <laughs> less, actually. It was like, oh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, so we haven't been sleeping a whole lot because of the kitchen. We've been 
working. Yesterday was two weeks. No, sorry, Monday was two weeks of pretty much nonstop kitchen, you know, morning to night. It looks like you really got it tied up, at least for the main construction. And the picture looks unbelievable. Yeah, it looks great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's back, It's at a point now where we're I'm putting down hardwood floors, so you know the the walls are have been moved and patched, and I moved some electrical just over to fit in the new places, and um, it's looking really really nice. Basically, the video is going to be tearing out, kind of moving and restructuring, so that we can get a nice clean slate. So that's going to be the first video. And then the other videos after that will be building out the individual pieces, you know, the cabinetry, doorways, and all the different stuff that's going to go in it. So, and you got you doing the floor in the dining room too? Yeah. So the dining room is connected, um, and we're going to build like a, a big glass doorway in between the two rooms to match one of the other ones in the house. But the floor will carry through uh, into that room too. And we're not really covering that room so much in the video because it's just more of the same we didn't really do anything in there other than put floor down but it's still a lot of flooring delay it's about 700 square feet of hardwood and so you know my back and my shoulders are definitely feeling more than 23 at this point but (laughs) you know what uh one thing to consider it actually aaron aaron is so good at like getting little doodads and things to make everyone's life easier out of the out of nowhere the other day he from Harbor Freight he got these neoprene knee pads. Not, well, not knee pads, but pads you put on the ground to kneel on with a handle hole in them. And it's just die cut. It's like two inch thick die cut neoprene, and it's made a world of difference in the shop. I he bought one for he had one that we were sharing, and so he ended up getting three more because they're just now everywhere. Either one of us have to kneel down. There's going to be one in front of the fire pit. There's one. I mean, sorry that we have a little fireplace that we're always burning wood in. So having that around, especially after 23, is really really makes your life easier. I have them. I don't even. I don't even open them anymore. They're still in the in the plastic wrapper, and I just use them as is. And they stay in, in <laughs> yeah, good shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's probably the same thing. The little gardening knee pads with like yeah. a handle cut in them. Is that the mm-hmm. same thing? Yep. Same one. Yeah. So we've got a couple of those that Jenny got for gardening years ago, and they've migrated into the shop and into all the workspaces and never once been used for gardening. So, yeah. There's your tip. But yeah, so the kitchen's moving along. I think my plan is by the end of this week to have. Uh, this kind of first phase buttoned up to where it's a clean slate. You know, everything is uh, floors down, walls are trimmed, you know, pa- everything's painted. We put up new drywall on the ceiling, completely covered the ceiling, which was a task. It was funny because going into this whole thing, I was like, you know, I've done enough drywall in my life. I'm going to hire it out. I'm just going to hang it and then have somebody come in and finish it and they can do it in a day or something, you know. And I ended up doing every bit of it myself. Oh, I mean, work, the, working over the guys is, and Jenny helped me put the the stuff on the ceiling to mount it. I had to get <clears> the four of us to hold quarter inch up on the ceiling. It's like a wet noodle trying to put yeah. drywall on the ceiling, man. It's terrible. But um, I ended up doing all the finishing myself. And it really wasn't that bad. It was a few days worth of that. But it looks completely different now because we it, the ceiling had these big fluorescent fixtures like cut into it originally yeah. and yeah. there were there were yeah there was like a, a fan mounted and there were two lights cut in separately like cans and then we took out two walls it was a it was a kind of office on outside of the kitchen and then a pantry so it ended up being two separate walls that were not load bearing and not even attached to anything um but so by taking that out, it was just like, well, I could spend as much time patching this and trying to retexture it as I could, just covering the entire thing and starting over. So that's what we did. But I'm really happy with it, but I'm tired. I was going to say, uh, I don't know where design went so horribly wrong that people started installing drop ceilings in homes. Is I remember as a kid with my dad, say, at, in 1980, I was 13. So from like 13 to like 15, I helped my dad all the time doing and he was installing these drop ceilings all the time. Like he got good at it. So like he get hired to put these drop ceilings in, not in an office, but in like a kitchen. And you have these yeah. horrible, mm. like the kitchen at my mom's house is like this horrible drop ceiling with 
big fluorescent lights hidden just up on the other side that are close enough so that every light bulb is like silhouetted exactly where, you know, there's no dispersed <laughs> lighting. Yeah. And every tile is yellow. I mean, my parents used to smoke when I was a kid. So I remember my dad switching them out uh. every couple of years because all the tiles <laughs> mm. were yellow from cigarette smoke. Nobody smokes anymore. But, um, you know, that was in the in the 80s and the uh, yeah, in the 80s and 70s and the 80s. But just what a horrible decision. When design goes wrong, it's horrible. We um, and it, we had an old house that was built in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and so it had really tall, maybe 12 foot living room ceiling, and it was always crack like major cracks in there, and it looked horrible. And I remember in the 80s, my parents put a drop ceiling in there, and and. We thought it it looked great, but looking back on that, like, oh man, to have that that beautiful tall ceiling would have been, you know, if you could repair that, that would have been even better. Well, drop ceilings have always been like just a a stopgap. Like they're an easy way, low cost way to cover something that you don't have to deal with. I mean, absolutely. my my brother in law bought a bar in Long Island about ten years ago, <clears throat> and it had this horribly low drop ceiling. It was like, you could like jump up and touch the ceiling. It was probably nine feet in the air. And I remember he closed the place down for a couple of months to renovate it. And he sent me pictures. He broke through the ceiling and there was a beautiful metal ceiling with like these big, beautiful rounded like transitions from the flat wall to the round wall. And there was nothing wrong with it except that it needed to be painted. Somebody decided in, you know, 73, 4, 5, 7, or 8 that the ceiling needs to be a drop ceiling. And they brought it down three mm. feet. And it is wow. unbelievable. <clears throat> like you walked in. It was like, it's like literally walking into a refrigerator box and then walking into a room. Like the difference of the emotional having gotten rid of the drop ceiling. But when he got rid of the yeah. drop ceiling, of course, you know, it was a major fixer upper and then they put a big heating central air tube right down the middle you know all painted looks really fancy and they he had hundreds of wires to deal with whoever like they would like run an intercom to the front of the bar they'd run a register wire there was hundreds of wires just hanging from this it looked like one of those like turn of the century when they first started putting up telephone poles so when they got rid of the drop ceiling it just was hiding hundreds of wires that were just laying on top but anyway it's all put to bed now and tidied up but it was just like horrible moments in design you know it'd be funny to do a segment with design you are missing horribly wrong you're forgetting about one advantage to the drop ceiling is it's a great pencil catcher (laughs) (laughs) so it's where you hide your weed put your weed up there yeah Yeah. nobody's gonna look (laughs) in the ceiling so i have a drop ceiling in my office here and it's in the house obviously it's a it's not like a kitchen or a living room that's what i say commercial applications it's 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 appropriate it was it was the way in this case you know that we had the floor joists from the, the floor above the main floor of the house um and it was a way to be able to insulate that to kind of knock down sound and sure. then put the acoustic tiles underneath it. Yep. And I did actually, when I did the video about this room, I did a, a decibel meter test before and after putting that in. And it was a pretty significant difference. Um, and I don't know if that had much to do with the ceiling or with the insulation on the other side of the ceiling or the combination of the two, but I couldn't very well put up one without the insulation, without the the drop ceiling. And it felt really weird to put it in, in my house, you know, but it's also as far up to the ceiling as I could make it. It's just barely off the joists. And, you know, so that was both difficult to do and just kind of weird. Um, it, the wire hanging the ceiling is about like two inches long. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. I think uh, sometimes it's the right play, you know, usually it's not. <laughs> we have a, I have a drop ceiling in my shop and is for three reasons. One is the, uh, the acoustical um, it really changes the acoustics in the room, deadens the sound. Um, I also got the the bright white, which reflects light for the video stuff. And then right. it's it's an insulator. It's I mean, it, and then there's insulation on top of it, so it really keeps in the cool air or the warm air, or whatever season it's in. And I wanted it to go as high as it could go and still be usable. And I think the contractor had it three inches from the from the floor joist or the ceiling joist or whatever it's called, but it, it serves its purpose. It works great. Lights drop in real 
quick and easy. And mm-hmm. if I want to move a light and switch it out with a tile, I can easily do that. So, yeah, commercially. It, oh, yeah. yeah could, that's that's a good point. The the lights, like doing the drop ceiling in here led me to those flat, uh, the LED panels that yep. drop into them. And once I found those, that was what became all the lights in the shop, even though they're not, I don't need them to be that flat. Um, that's what I ended up putting in the shop. And we have tons of them. We have some in the front room and we've made frames to mount them in to put them on the ceiling. We've mounted them directly to the bottom of the joists in the shop. And then they dropped in here in the office. And it's funny because that's, it's a perfect solution for shop lighting, it's super low profile, but I got to that by putting a drop ceiling in my office. Mm. Yeah kind of a funny way to get to a cool product but mm-hmm. anyway, anyway uh we kind of had a a topic we do have a hard out on time today yes um but we do have a kind of topic david you want to pull one um of up? so yeah. last week before we decided not to record i put out a tweet asking what do you guys want to talk about and um dave bauer asked does being a maker improve your confidence for problem solving in making and in real life. So problem solving in the shop, does it translate to real world stuff? I'd say 100%, yeah. It's like step out of the yeah. way. I'm a maker on YouTube. I can handle this. <laughs> That's what I say every time. I'm a YouTuber. Situ- <laughs> every time there's a situation, excuse me, step aside, I'm a YouTuber. I can handle this. I, I Pull think- out your YouTube badge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, carry my, I carry my one million thing under my jacket. I'm like, excuse me. This is my what, what's Bob's favorite saying? <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Tongue in cheek, by the way, just to be perfectly clear there. Tongue in cheek. No, it's it's like a it's 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 like working a muscle. You know, you 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 work out, and that strength carries on to other things. And I think I think problem solving in the shop, it, um, it helps me think creatively in the real world. But also, it's like. It, it teaches me to be calm. Uh, Kelly would not think that I'm a calm thinker, but when it is needed, you know how to like, okay, just give me 30 seconds here. We can figure this out, you know? I got an awesome set of tools. I can fix it. I got an awesome set of tools. <laughs> My dad's got an awesome set of tools, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where like... Um, you know, you get to, you start learning how to use what you have on hand. And granted, when you're in your shop, you're building out what you have on hand. And so you have a lot of tools and you have a lot of materials that are around. But I think when you do that on a regular basis, whether it's for YouTube or not, but when you do, when you practice using what's around you, then you get in the habit of looking around you and being aware of what's at your disposal all the time. And that makes problem solving easier when you know what you're dealing with. And so I think, you know, for me, anytime I'm up with the kids and they need you know, how do I attach this thing to this cardboard or this to that? It's it's super easy and natural for me to look around at what's on the table and figure out a way to use what's yeah. right there. And I think that's that's the problem solving is is you know whether that is a material use or these are the the situation that pieces that we're in right now. How do we use those to our advantage? I think it's a practice. For sure. No, it's it's great being put to the challenge. Uh, it reminds me of last weekend I was over at Taylor's studio, which is apart from mine. So the, we don't have the same exact set of tools available at any given moment. Taylor's studio is more set up for sewing and cutting leather. Um, she's designing this lamp, and uh, Daniel Harju is helping her. He's a furniture maker online. Check out his Instagram, Harju uh, Country Beds. And anyway, Daniel is uh, he made these these things to Taylor's spec. It's like a it's like half of a pill made out of wood and the other half is made out of glass. So if you could imagine a pill and the, the light bulb is underneath the glass part. So she's having Daniel do the wood and then a glass blower is doing the glass and the glass showed up and it didn't fit over the wood because the very first piece of glass she had had a different wall thickness. And so she's like, how can we do this? Do we have to wait to go to the shop tomorrow? I was like, well, let's look around. And I had gotten her a set of drills. I got her a set of Ryobi drills just to have in her studio anytime I'm over there to do any kind of handyman stuff. And so the drill, the chuck of the drill fit perfectly into the the light bulb receptacle on the piece of wood. So we stuck it directly in there and I held the back of the pill shape in my palm with a rag and I pulled the trigger on the drill and the whole thing spun. I'm like, okay, so I braced myself on the table and I pulled the trigger and spun it. I was like, okay, now put a sanding block on the the recess and she just sanded away about three millimeters of wood and we kept trying it until it fit and 
it's funny when you, you you solve a problem. We got the glass to fit over the, so it was like a pill. Half of it's wood, the other half is glass, and we got it to fit over the the rabbited edge for the wood by doing that. But it, it's funny to always be challenged like that. And I, I when I'm at her studio, I'm often challenged because she always wants me to do something. She's like, "Oh, Jimmy, I'll deal with that." But then I realize I don't have the tools I need to do that. <laughs> you know, she she doesn't really have the the experience, so she just lets me handle it, whatever it is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we 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 changed the locks on the on the main door to the place. And you know, half of it was done with my leather man, the other half is done with a razor blade and the ice pick. So it's it's nice to look for those challenges and really challenge yourself. I, I always say, you know, everyone always jokes and calls me and all of us MacGyver, right? Everyone gets that. <laughs> it, it really is refreshing to know that nearly pretty much anything that you're confronted with, you could figure out. And that's not just us because of our YouTube skills, but I mean, we definitely exercise that muscle a lot more than the average person, you know, because we're, we're trying to problem solve texture, color, light, experience, beginning, middle, end. Where's the camera going to be here? What if I move the camera over there? Is it going to be confusing? And that also coupled with, so like our brains are like running a marathon constantly every day and and I think it just always, it helps everything. Sometimes it's, it uh, makes me overthink things. So, so we have this garbage can mm-hmm. and the lid cracked. And so the lid, instead of being one piece was basically two pieces. And I've overthought, like I could call the city and get a new garbage can, but I would rather just fix this, this one. And I've overthought this. I've tried to melt a piece of plastic over top of that and do like a, like a weld, like a plastic weld. And it didn't work, and uh, and and I've tried uh, like just various glues, like uh, like epoxy made for plastics, and it just it breaks and it doesn't work. And then the solution the whole time was to just drill holes and use zip ties, which was stitch, the quickest and, and easiest it. way. But I overthought <laughs> yeah. it for months and months, and so I, I don't I don't know that that's the best solution. I'm thinking like walnut garbage can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you could you could make that happen, and you would have the fanciest garbage can. Yeah, well, I mean, walnut's so cheap around here, so yeah. <laughs> Should make the whole garbage can out of walnut. Oh man, <laughs> and yeah. spray paint it green. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we were actually just we 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 made the uh, the mallet. Uh, yesterday out of walnut and I thought we should just paint this I would love to just do a project where we paint the Mm. uh, the, uh, piece of walnut and then like we should just do a whole video where I make a piece of furniture out of walnut and then paint it at the end because that would trigger so many people (laughs) but really but walnut is not very expensive around here and I'm just I'm fortunate and it's all happens to be my favorite wood to work with Another thing I was going to say about the problem solving thing is that I I could see, I think we're all talking from our personal experience, obviously, and the three of us and a lot of other people in our space, just makers in general, are generalists. And so, like, we have the advantage of having played in so many different sandboxes. You know, we've messed with metal stuff, we've messed with sewing, we've messed with wood, you know, we have a little bit of, or a lot of experience in a lot of things. And when I I was thinking about that just a second ago and thinking in relation to someone who, <clears throat> this is not a dig at all, but someone who only really uses a specific tool to do their the art or their making or whatever it is. Like some people only have room for a 3D printer and they use that for everything. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome because that serves what they need. That's great. I could see that being difficult when it comes to you know, if if all you have is a hammer, every problem's a nail. Is that how it goes? Something like that. Um, you know, so that people may overcomplicate the solutions if they only have been able to play in one particular sandbox, only use one particular tool. And I know that um, there have been other people who will 3D print things uh, that are absolutely like unnecessary to 3D print. But it's the tool that they have, and so that's great. But I think the realization just a minute ago was like, oh, yeah, I think the practice of playing in different sandboxes, different tool sets, different materials, gives you more experience to build from when you're in a situation. So you don't always have to rely on somebody left their computer on, and it's dinging. (laughs) Dinner's ready. Um, Yeah. 
and uh, you know it it gives you more more um, experience I guess when it comes to problem solving in the real world outside of the shop or whatever so I don't know that that means anything I'm not trying to say anything by that but that's a realization I had that maybe if somebody is stuck with a particular tool that may limit how they look at problem solving in other situations and so maybe that would give them some motivation to try to expand their tool set, expand their experience a little bit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. No, it's uh, it's interesting. Sometimes I, I'll look around and I'll be like, and, and you always try and think what you could do with one thing versus, you know, what it was intended for. <clears throat> and a couple of weeks ago, I made those little leather notebooks and I didn't have the, I didn't have the, uh, the stitch separated far enough. And I ran it through one of the notebooks and it cut the whole thing right in half. And right away, instead of being like, wow, I could use this sewing machine as a jigsaw. <laughs> like, that's the first thing I thought of. So, and I will never, I mean, I probably would never, like, unless there was no alternative and I needed to cut something out of a pile of paper or a piece of thick cardboard, I could run it through the sewing machine on a fine thread and it would cut it out. And, you know, so that's, that's in my arsenal now. I'll, I'll never probably use it, but let's just say like we get snowed in a tailor studio and there's no alternative and I need to cut out a paper bunny. I'm like, I know the problem. I know how we can <laughs> fix this. So, I mean, it's good also like when you make mistakes to like, that was a mistake, but how could that mistake also be used as a positive down the road? So it's important to, to be aware of that stuff. It's also, you know, to be <laughs> Bob's computer just started behind his back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's Anthony's computer. It's dinging every time somebody puts a message in Slack. Sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, uh, you know, you got to be, you got to be aware. You got to be aware. You got to pay close attention instead of, you know, anytime something goes wrong. I, I say this example when I was a teacher all the time, like you gotta, you gotta, it's important to be aware. And one time I was washing my hands at the kitchen sink and the bar of soap shot out of my hands and landed on its end or its corner. I think it landed actually on its corner. It's just so many years ago. It's like 25 years ago. The soap landed on its corner like this and just stopped for a minute. I thought like the entire world just came to a pause because <laughs> it was in the middle of like falling, but it just stopped because ever, all the balance and everything just went doop, and it just stayed still. So like moments like that, you're like, wow, how can I use that to my advantage to rule the world? I don't know. Stupidness, but Bob's going to break the computer. <laughs> yeah, Bob's problem solving right now. <laughs> How do I stop? I, I gave up on trying to solve the problem of my my emails dinging, you know, through podcasts and stuff. Uh, you guys can't hear them, but I can hear them every time my computer ding ding. Mm, mm, it's mm. I, it's so annoying. I don't know how to do it. And I, I quit. I quit text message app i quit the email app and still i get notified on seven devices every time i get a message or an email do do you guys have an internal soundboard like like sometimes my head is like a little radio dj show like you're, you're dealing with the issue and then you have that aha moment and i think of this quote all the time from indiana jones i think it's uh in the last crusade and the and the solution presents itself like when, yeah, mm. like I think of that all the time. I'm like, ah, yes. I just sit back, let things happen, and then the solution presents itself. It's yeah. funny when you say that. I I would not have if you had just told me that quote. I would not have placed it. But now I can picture Sean Connery just like taking off his hat and sitting <laughs> down, and that, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I have always those types of things. So that's that's cool. I always just trust in my ability. I always trust in my experience. I always think to myself, you know, there's there's the conscious mind, and then there's the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind that's always working in the behind the scenes. And for instance, you'll see I showed it off on Instagram a couple of days ago. I, ha- I made this like little ratchety latch that holds one of the vents in the barbecue open. And I knew, like, I could see, like, an unfocused version of what I needed to make. Ultimately, when I made it, it was so simple. It seems like, how could you not have seen that Im- immediately? I had all these other solutions, which were fairly simple, but they didn't work as effectively. And they also just didn't look good on camera. So it was, I was kind of closing in on all the little tidbits of the barbecue. And then <clears throat> I had been thinking about it for nearly a week and a half when I first installed that part. And now it had it came to, like, how is it going to stay up? And I made this little ratchety thing, which looks like a piece of a saw blade. And then the, the little ratchet toggle leans on the teeth and stays in its various positions. But 
that came so clear when it was time to do it. But prior to that, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see, like, I don't want to put a spring. I didn't want, you know, I ended up making it so it's self-actuated by the weight. You know, it can only either be in the tooth or out. When you let it go, it falls back into a tooth because of the weight of the trigger, the way it's balanced on its pivot. And all that became so clear when I wasn't trying to rush to an answer. If I was against the gun Mm. and I had to come up with a solution to that, I'm sure I would have figured out something, but it might not have been as elegant. But that's important as a thinker and a designer is to, I'm losing my voice, I'm sorry, is to just marinate on something, think about something, and then just let it go to work in in the subconscious. I I have have a, a really good ability to just trust my subconscious to go to work on something for me. I'll, I'll literally just say, hey, think about that. I'll say that to myself. And mm. then in a couple of days, it's like, oh, you haven't been thinking about that. And in actuality, something's happening unconsciously. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, it's right there. It's uh, it's funny you, you mentioned, like, just think about that and, and give yourself time to come up with a solution. I'm, I just started a new audio book. So I don't know if it's good or not yet. Uh, it's called Limitless, and it's in um, the author talks about we're just bombarded with digital information all the time. We're always looking at our phone, we're always watching TV, we're always on our computer, and we're always trying to entertain ourselves. And we never have any downtime where we don't have time to think about things. And so I have um, purposely. Uh, I, I, I sorry, I'm sorry for this, but I purposely don't take my phone into the bathroom anymore because that should be just time where i think i i don't need to check facebook and twitter and instagram all the time it's okay to have time where nothing is happening and i want to increase that more so hopefully that allows me to become a better thinker and a better problem solver yeah i mean i i had had a phone conversation two days ago with somebody that i don't want to call them out or anything but it was really good to talk to this person who's uh, an artist and they were saying like I, I'm on my phone too much I don't give my brain room to think about art and to dream and to you know exactly what you're saying and it was interesting to hear you say that versus after just hearing somebody really claim like this is a problem for me I would need to put my phone away so that my art can be a bigger part of my brain you know just and uh, Jimmy you've always said this that you have to be able to take in, you have to be able to looking up, you know, as you're walking around so you can take in your surroundings and take yeah. in all that information that your brain can mm-hmm. jumble up and rebuild and stuff. And mm-hmm. It's hard to do, especially, you know, when in a, I don't want to say in our industry, because it's, it's our world, when we, uh, everybody has this sense of FOMO, like if you're not connected to all the people that you could potentially be connected to at this moment, through social media, then you're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has that feeling, whether it's a little bit or a lot. And it's so funny if you think about it, because 30 years ago, nobody cared what the rest of the world was doing. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you cared about the people that were within earshot of you. And like, yeah. that's who you paid attention to all the time. And it's <laughs> it's weird and interesting how we have flipped this around that now we have to know what everybody's doing all the time. And we, Joe, everybody has to know what we're doing all the time. Joe Rogan did a funny bit. It's, it's an old bit that popped up on YouTube. It's, it's from a stand-up from many years ago. He talked about when you called somebody and they didn't answer, that was it. They just didn't exist until they decided <laughs> to make themselves apparent to you. But he, does, he turns it into a 10-minute bit. But it's super funny to think about. Like, when you would call your friend and they didn't pick up the phone, that was it. You had to make all the plans. It was like, where yeah. are you? When are we going to meet? It was like, that's it. Okay. That person is completely out of this world until you cross paths by accident or intentionally standing outside and waiting for them to get home, which would seem weird. But And now yeah. it's like text. I, I need to talk to you for five minutes. You got five minutes. Let's FaceTime. In, and then you, that's why on my, my, if you hear my outgoing message, it's like, Hey, thanks for calling me. I am busy right now. I will call you when I'm done doing what I'm doing. And that is for my dad and Taylor's mom because they call and then they call and then they call and then they call and then they text and then they call. And when you get, what's the matter? Is your phone broken? I'm like, no, I was on a meeting with uh, NBC. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, you interrupted the call eight times. What is it? Oh, do you know where I left that screwdriver? 
Yeah. I've been over the past several months, uh, I guess over the past year, I've been trying to slowly push myself away from, not away from social media, but just to compartmentalize it in my life, right? To try to keep it in its place and not let it be a thing. Because I found myself just constantly feeling the need to engage, not because I wanted to, not because I was hungry for like conversation with people. It was just like, I probably should because it's what we do for a living and I should be attached, you know, and always available for all of these people, which is a stupid thing to think. Like nobody should feel that way. Nobody should feel like they have to always be available. And so the past year or so, I've definitely been compartmentalizing how I interact. I, I take in more social media than I put out at a personal level. Um, and, there's something about that that feels like, you know, I get to look up the things that I'm interested in. I get to follow the people that I'm interested in seeing what they're doing that's inspirational or people that I care about that I just want to know what they're doing. And I don't feel the same that I did about a year ago that I need to always be engaging. And I think for me personally, I don't know how we got to talking about this, but for me over that transition has been a really good thing to not feel uh, beholden to these things, right. That I just am like, I owe people responses and I owe people attention. And I would rather give that freely when I think it's necessary rather than feeling like I owe it to this faceless kind of person. I'm air quoting person who's just represents all of social media. Um, so I don't know how we got to that, but if you're feeling that way, it's not good for you. So step away from it, take a break, go outside. Don't have your phone. Yeah, put the phone down. That's and my it, and it actually, spring is. And I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I play I'm one on doctor. YouTube. Uh, spring is actually starting to to present itself, and it's it's such a relief to walk out of the house and not walk into blistering cold. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like yesterday, it was it's like forty something degrees here, which it may as well have been ninety, just compared to like what we're <laughs> becoming acclimated to. <clears throat> and I I still like I'm so. you'll see my videos from these two weeks. I'm like constantly have my neck cozy on because my neck, if my naked neck is just like makes me want to shrivel up. And yesterday I still had it on because I can't let go of like the need to feel bundled up. It just, it's, it's doesn't help problem solving or social media engagement. Trying to relate it back to what we're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we do have a hard out today, so we should probably wrap it up so that we can do the after show for the patrons. Uh, big thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We do really sincerely appreciate you and uh, the support that you give us and help this show happen. Even, you know, so sometimes it doesn't happen because I'm busy and I'm sorry for that. But uh, we do appreciate the patrons, especially our top supporters, which are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Maincrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Corey from Makeshape Create, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a bunch of other people, and we're grateful for every. Who's who's that? Sorry, uh, listening to something. Uh, that that oh. was that was my phone giving me directions to where my destination. My heart <laughs> out. You said your yeah. desk. Sorry, it's giving me. Th- big thanks to our patrons. If you want to join that crew and get the Thank after show, patrons. which is another little Thank thing you, bit, uh, of us talking, go to Patreon.com/slash Making It. Mm. That would be Thank cool. You. And you know what? Here's another thing. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again, because apparently I keep hearing this, that leaving reviews on podcasts on whatever player, apparently that makes a really big difference in getting the show in front of other people. I don't understand how that works. I don't know why that would be the case, but it does. So I would love it if everybody listening took five minutes, three minutes, two minutes and 38 seconds, whatever you have available and go leave you of this show on, on your podcast thingy, whatever it, wherever you listen to it. If you could leave a little review and be honest, I mean, you don't have to say it's like the best thing in the world. If you don't tell them the to be honest, the world, cause just... they're going to complain about me being a pompous. Okay. Yeah. So everybody go complain in the uh, reviews about Jimmy say really nice things about David. No, oh, it all I'm doesn't stop talking. <laughs> No, if you if you would leave us a review, I would love to see if that's actually true. I'm not sure if it is, but that's what I hear that reviews get it in front of more people, mm-hmm. and that'd be cool. So, 
Mm -hmm. Go do that. Or mm -hmm. don't. Either way. I love you. Both ways. All right. You guys got something to um, yeah. recommend? I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but uh, by now, by the time this publishes, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. But I heard Chris Zepp did a, a bang-up job on the History Channel show, Assembly Required. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, don't, I don't have cable, so I'm going to have to find it in dribs and drabs on the internet. But uh, apparently he did a really good job. I knew he won. I mean, I knew April told me when it happened and because I have inside, have friends inside, you know, the TV business. And uh, so I, I knew that so he won. Fancy. But uh, so it's, it's really good. Some, some people told me this morning that he did a really good job and they wouldn't be surprised if he didn't get like an offer from, from somebody for his excellent performance and his excellent use of tools. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. So go check out Chris Zepp and April, our fellow community member on yeah. assembly required on the history channel. I seen clips and it looks of, like clips and bits. It looks like you can watch full episodes without having to be logged in on the history channel website. Oh, you can, you, which is cool. Cause I haven't seen any of them yet either. But See, yeah, I saw like episode one. I thought episode one was a freebie just, but I, I don't know why I think that I, maybe I thought I read that somewhere. I thought episode one was a freebie to get people yeah. interested, but Oh, it, that's good. It has three, three full episodes and it says without signing in. Oh, so, great. Okay, yeah. cool. So I'll go watch yeah. it later. I thought I wasn't allowed to. There you go. Yeah. Cool. There you go. Um, what you got? Mine is a channel called Mellow Pine. Uh, she looks like a newer YouTube. Not many views, not many subscribers, but um, design trumps complexity and trumps tools every single time when it comes to woodworking and furniture making. And she has very simple projects, but the design is absolutely fantastic. So it's a it's it's a good one. This is this is one we're checking out. Cool. Mellow Pine. Um, oh, Mellow Pine. Yeah, I found it. Awesome. Um, so we were talking yesterday. We had a Maker Alliance hangout, which all the people that support I Like to Make Stuff, we have a little monthly hangout <clears throat> once a month. We all just uh, talk and about projects and stuff. And we got to talking about uh, Zyla Foxlin. Somebody brought sure. her up. And I, re I went to... And we've talked about her here before. Jimmy, you've... Uh, I, I've worked with her. Some stuff with her. Yeah. yeah, she's cool. And... I realized that somehow I wasn't subscribed to her channel, which is odd, but so I fixed that. And then that reminded me that we should definitely try to promote her a little bit here again, because yep. she's awesome. She like, if you look at, um, if you look at her videos on her channel, like the, just at a glance, just at the thumbnails, the span of stuff that is covered is pretty wild. Yeah. And she's extremely smart, extremely well-spoken. <clears throat> I'm trying to pull it up here so I can give you an example of the videos. Like she made a, um, a clear canoe yep. and put LEDs in it so it like lights up. She sent her, she was a Miss America winner, so she sent her crown to space. That was one of her things. <laughs> uh, she's made <laughs> canoe paddles. And I actually was she in her canoe. She, out of she cedar, was all sorts she, of stuff. Her cedar canoe, the wooden one that she made last year, she, she was on her way to, I think, Cleveland from. New England, where she built it at her relative's house, and uh, she stopped here, and we went for a canoe ride last year. It's cool. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I forgot she actually made two canoes. She did the uh, clear... Well, it's a kayak, sorry, the clear kayak, and then the other one was uh, the actual cedar strip canoe. Anyway, she's really cool. I briefly met her. She seemed really nice, but also her videos are really cool. Uh, and she was somebody... Like, when I met her at WorkbenchCon, she had this uh, calendar that she makes... And I don't remember what she calls it, but basically it's women makers with tools, pe people who know how to make things, know how to use the tools, dressed up as Disney princesses. And the the images are all of them using the tools as princesses. It's super cool. And I immediately took one of these things and brought it home to my daughter. Well, I mean, I asked her if I could have one. She gave me one to take to my daughter. So I took this home to my daughter and it was really cool to take this this calendar, give it to my, at the time, 10-year-old daughter and be like, look how awesome all of these ladies are. Look at this. Like, they use all these things. And this one, oh, she makes this type of thing. And this one, oh, she makes these things. And I got to tell her about all these women who were in this and what they do uh, and the things that they make. And I thought that was really cool. And I don't know Zyla well. Um, I, I don't know her at all. I met her one time. But she seems to give off that vibe of like, Here's somebody who's incredibly smart, incredibly talented, and 
doesn't seem to be scared of anything. And that's the type of person that I want my daughter to be looking at, you know, as as she figures out the things that she wants to do. And I, anyway, sure. I think it was really cool. So big thanks yeah. to her for being that point, that person that I could, you know, one of the people I could point my daughter to. Very good. That's cool. Awesome. Um, you guys got anything else for this week? <laughs> a puppy, apparently. You sound like a puppy. No? no, everything's good. I'm good. I think we're good. Cool. Probably, probably All right. said too much. Well, um, thank you for listening, thank everybody. You. We're going to go do the after show, and uh, we'll see you Never. next time. Love you thank guys. You. Bye. Love you too. Her.